So this morning, I did something I've never done before. I say confession is good for the soul. I bought two lottery tickets. <laughs> Can you believe that? I've never, I'm 38, never bought a lottery ticket. Don't even know how to play the game. But uh, I just had this uh, thought that probably might go with a message today. So I, I bought two lottery tickets, and, and we'll come back to that. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But, hey, I'm wearing a backpack as other people around here because we are jacked up about what's getting ready to happen. And that is we're going to love on our community. We love loving on our community. And you probably heard about Project Supply, but I want to encourage you to get in the game. Now, don't get in the game next week. Because next week we won't be here. We won't be here because it's Sabbath Sunday. You say, Tim, why do you do that? Why do do you guys do that? Well, here's the reason. The reason is we know right before school starts, it is so easy to get so busy, right? And busyness is really the enemy of intimacy, Andy Stanley said. Busyness is the enemy of intimacy. And so what we do on purpose strategically right right before school starts is we downshift. We slow down, and we intentionally want to take some time. So next week, don't come. If you want to come, that's awesome. We won't be here. And so you go to the beach. Be with your family. How about this one? Be still and know he is God. How about that, okay? And so before you leave today, I want to encourage you to go back to the project supply table, and I want you to pick up, um, I want you to pick up one of these sheets here. It actually has uh, elementary school student supplies on one side, and then middle school on the back, and then we're doing something new this year. This year, we're tackling the high school as well. So last year, we did the elementary and middle school. This year, we're doing all three schools because we really believe that when this many Jesus followers get together... And I understand not everyone here is a Jesus follower, and we like it that way because we're constantly trying to go after people and create irresistible environments for people who, they're like, you know what, the church is cool and the music is great. I'm not sure about the Jesus stuff. want to continually be reaching. But we believe whenever this many people get together that we, we believe that the community ought to know that there's, there's someone that really cares a lot about them. And that's how we get to flesh it out, and that's what we're going to do. So Project Supply, you don't have to buy everything on this list. Just buy a few things, and a few things will go a long ways in helping us love on um, students because the truth is momentum loves kids. Momentum loves teenagers, and we're kind of fond of teachers. Any school teachers here today? All right, all right, yeah. School teachers, all right. We had some before. You know, and principals and coaches and faculty and staff, we just... We thank you guys. You're our heroes. What you do, um, we just want to say we appreciate you. Thank you. And I'll be sending my three kids to school this year for the first time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Told Steph I'm going to have to rework my schedule. But uh, we're so excited about that. It's going to be great. Man. And then we've got a couple of vision casts coming up for Navarre. We are getting really close. I'm going to talk a little bit about Navarre today. But we're getting really close to the uh, first preview gathering, which is September 14th, and going to launch another campus. So we'll have this one here, which will have two different gathering times, and then Navarre, which will um, start off anyways at 11 o'clock. And so would you pray for me, uh, pray with me? You can pray for me too. I like that. And um, do this. Find some lipstick and just go to your bathroom mirror and write September 14th or write pray for Navarre, somewhere where you'll see it 
and you'll pray about it because we're believing God to do some really big stuff. Now, let's get back to the lottery tickets. So I went up this morning to a gas station, and they're all, evidently, there's a bunch of lottery tickets, like all kinds of shapes and sizes and colors, and I was like lion and tigers and bears. Oh my, I, I, I didn't know what to do, and, and they're $1 ones and different, and, and all of a sudden I looked, and this one just totally arrested my attention. Um, and so I said, you know what, give me two, two $10 lottery tickets. And what I did last gathering is I had somebody help me, because I, honest to God, in front of everyone, did not know what to do. I was like... There's some you scratch, or I didn't did know. So I, I need someone to help me today. Um, is there anyone willing to help me today um, with a lottery ticket? Anybody at all? Vanessa. Well, Vanessa and Ray are looking for a house. So, you know, here's, here's the deal. And I told God this this morning. I bought it with my money. Um, but I told the Lord, if, if whoever helps me wins, it's their money. So now you and Ray need to start praying right now, right? We just need to, everybody bow your heads. We're going to bless these tickets. But you're like, unbelievable at church. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No perfect people allowed. Start with me. So welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, but you're going to help me in just a little bit. Scratch these off. And evidently what I learned from last one is you scratch off every one. And so the top ones here, they're going to have a couple numbers. And then we're going to scratch three rows and if we get a match, then we, not we, you, you, we, you get some money, all right? So y'all just start praying for the rest of the gathering. I'll understand if you check out and just go into intense intercession and asking God. There was a preacher, his name was D.L. Moody. He was in um, Chicago and he was preaching. And, and, and that whole city turned upside down and people began. They were going this way. They, they did a U-turn and they started following Jesus. And that whole city turned upside down. If you've ever heard about the Chicago fires, you can just D.L. Moody. You can, you, you can check it out. But D.L. Moody one day had a man came up to him in the midst of this spiritual awakening that was just, uh, just literally un- unfolding before their eyes. And he said, man, he said, what do I do? He said, I, I bought a, a lottery ticket and I won. You know, how much money did you win? <laughs> hey, I won big. I won big. And, and he said, well, you know what? Why don't... Why don't you go ahead and give that money to the Lord? Because uh, the enemy had it long enough. It's, I don't know whether that guy ended up giving it or not. But today, this is going to be yours in just a minute. I'm going to let you keep it, okay? So um, let's, let's talk about this. You have your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew. Can we go to Matthew? We've been in a series where we are talking um, about next, taking next steps. We've been talking about how there's a next right step for us to take. And we've been talking about how that growth is never accidental, it is always intentional. Growth. If you want to grow in the gym, you don't just, you know, it doesn't just happen. You got to get a plan. You know, you're, you're wise. You know, if, if um, you, you get a coach, um, you know, get someone in there, you know, who knows how to do that and help you with the nutrition side. And then you get in there and you get a personal strength coach, conditioning coach, um, and, and they help. And then your intention, what happens? You, you grow. Or maybe you begin to study. You want to be a better steward of your finances. And so you listen to Dave Ramsey. You read some of his books. And, and you, you read in Proverbs. Man, I'm telling you, a proverb a day will keep stupidity away. And so you read a proverb a day, and it talks a whole lot about money. And, and so you read it, and all of a sudden you're thinking, whoa, I need to handle my finances differently. And, and, but you, you're going to have to be in, intentional. Because growth is never accidental. 
And Jesus is going to say a few words to us. Matthew 6, we're going to put it up on the screens. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read from the message today. Just a very few verses. And then I'm going to try to illustrate it a couple different ways. And believe it or not, it has something to do with a lottery ticket. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at... um, Let's look at 9, 19 through 21. Let's do that. Here we go. Don't hoard treasure. Now, let's just stop right there. All right? Let's just stop right there because those three words are, are, are very deep and very powerful. Jesus said, don't. Now, I tell my kids, don't, when I know they're about ready to do something that's going to hurt them. When uh, Jaden was little... I remember that, that Jane, Jane was always, you know, pulling things, you know, he's just, I mean, that's what little kids do, they're curious, they're always yanking on this or that, and, and it could be iron, ironing, and, and Jane would get around, buddy, back off, stay away from this iron, this could hurt you, and I remember one day, I remember him, he kind of just got that cord in his hand, you know, and I turned around, and, and don't, don't do that, just one word, don't, don't, why, because I didn't want him to get burned, so maybe right from the beginning of scripture, maybe Jesus knows something we don't know. Maybe he realizes that there's something here that if we mishandle it, if we fumble it, that it could really end up hurting us. And so he says, don't, and then he says, hoard. I want you to go with me, track with me just for a minute. Any of you ever watch that show, Hoarders? You ever watch that? Yeah? Like none of us want to be a hoarder, right? Some of you parents, you're here today and you... You're thinking, you know, one of my children, you know, <laughs> you know, is a hoarder, you know. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I watched that, but the truth is I have a family member. I have a relative or a friend that's a hoarder, and it's really not funny. It's, it just breaks your heart for him. Jesus is going to talk about hoarding, and then he's going to contrast it with stockpiling. But my mind goes to 14 years ago. One of my student leaders called me up and said, Hey, Pastor Tim, would you come help me? And we're actually going to go help a family. They're, they're living in a trailer. It's really bad. And, and we got to do something. we got to help this family. And so I was like, sure enough, man. So I went over there, and I'll be honest. We came to this trailer. There were a couple years when I was younger, for sure, where I grew up in a trailer. I'm not making fun of a trailer or anything like that. But we came to this trailer. It had not been taken care of. Opened the door. We walked in. And, and this family not only had a cat with nine lives, they probably had like nine cats with nine lives. And I'm not a cat person. I mean, they, they're cute, but they always, you know, they act nice and they, you know, I just, you know, every time I'm, a, I'm gullible, you know, I'm like, okay, come here, get, get in. They're like, you know, and they'll do this thing and whatever in the tail and, you know, you, you put the head and the tail goes up and, and then they turn on me. So I just decided at 38, I'm not a cat person. But, but these cats just use this trailer as their litter box. There was fecal matter everywhere. It was gross. The whole place smelled like cat pee. Now, cat pee stinks, doesn't it? It does. Not that any pee smells great, but cat pee really stinks. And that place just smelled like a litter box gone bad. And we're in there. And and to take it a step further, this lady was a hoarder. Like, why do you want to keep your trash in the house? I mean, there's a can of baked beans from only the Lord knows how long ago. You with me? Now, Jesus says, don't. Hoard. And look at the next words. Treasure. And when Jesus says don't hoard treasure, I'm a little pushback there. I just be honest with you. 
a little pushback because I, being human, I want to hoard treasure. And I don't think of treasure and hoarding. I, and those are two different words, man. I, I, that, that mental picture, hoarding, I don't think of that when I think of treasure. And if you're like me, you probably don't either. Because there's something about our perception where we think, man, treasure, let's get as much as we can, right? And let's can as much as we get. Let's, let's do it, man. This stuff matters. And, and it's almost as if heaven has a different perception because they know there's really a different reality. And so Jesus now is speaking very clearly, very plainly, and he says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust. And I remember, I think it was somewhere around the time of our wedding, it may have been right before, um, that was funny. I, I wanted to get in shape, I wanted to get tan. You remember that, tanning beds? Um, yeah, and, and so I wanted to do that, and <laughs> I went to a tanning bed, and I fell asleep, and that was real bad, because um, I'd never been before, and I slept for, what, 20 minutes or whatever, and I was fried. I looked like a red crayon, um, but I was doing everything I could to get in shape for my wedding day, I'm going to be ready, and, and you know, um, here we are, and so I re- these weights, man, I, I thought, you know what, these weights, they make me strong, yeah. I want to be strong. I want to get in shape. I want to look good. And so I got these weights. But the problem with these weights now is they've been in my garage for a long time. And I, I, I'm a member at the gym right over here, and, and they got a bunch of weights. And I got one of those A-frames with dumbbells all the way, top to bottom. And, and I'll use those at the house. And, but th- these are in the garage, and I never use this. It's a curl bar. It's a, it's a great bar. I, I, I worked hard. I got money. I bought that. got the weights. The problem is... They rusted. They rusted, and it's not attractive. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I can curl that. I, I can curl that, but, but I don't want to curl that. It, it's kind of lost value. It doesn't look like it used to look. And, and the truth is, if, if I come over here and I grab it, come over here and grab it. All right, all right, still got it. Thank you. That's right, just in case you were doubting me. Um, the problem is I got a little bit of rust that came off on my hands. So they're just kind of out of the way, but for some reason, there's something deep within me that doesn't want to get rid of them. So they sit in the garage. And Jesus says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen. And then last gathering, I said, stolen by burgers. <laughs> like those better be Bubba burgers. Um, Stolen by burglars. You ever had something stolen from you? Oh, doesn't it make you sick? When the reality, when you realize, oh my gosh, maybe someone broke into your house. I hope not. But you're, you're unbelievable. Stolen. Here on earth, our treasure can get stolen, right? Jesus goes on and says, stockpile treasure in heaven. Now, here's a contrast. He says, don't hoard treasure down here. The scriptures tell us, in fact, James, the author James, didn't believe in Jesus. By the way, Jesus was his half-brother. His whole, Jesus' whole life, his own brother didn't believe in him. <laughs> but this thing called the resurrection happened, and all of a sudden, James like, now I believe. So James later will write, you know, he ends up dying for his faith. But before that, he pens the words that God gave him, and he says something like this. He says, life is but a vapor. 
It appears for a short time, and then it vanishes away. It goes away. Life is short. So maybe Jesus was on to something. Maybe Jesus knew that earthly things, they might get stolen. They might rust. They're going to fade away. And one day we'll realize that what we thought was so valuable really wasn't that valuable. You see, I bought this ticket, this lottery ticket this morning. I paid for it, like I said, my, my money, $10. I thought it looked kind of attractive, monopoly, millionaire. It had me at millionaire. Don't, don't be judging and then it says, went up to a million dollars. Like, who doesn't want to win up to a million dollars? Right? Right? I mean, if this really was worth a million dollars, that's right. I'd be looking for a bank open on Sundays. Um, yeah, a couple of campuses, right? Here we go. Now, watch. Then it says, went up to 15 times. And you know, that's really, that's kind of like, like what the world does. Because there's so much value. I worked with this guy. His name was Spencer. Spencer was in his late 80s working in the mall at Select Comfort. And I worked with him. And every payday, he'd get so excited. He would come in. He would be so excited. It was like you knew what it was. It was payday. But for Spencer, it was more than payday because payday wasn't that great. But payday always presented the opportunity for more. Because he would go and he would buy tickets Lottery tickets, and he, he put hope on that ticket because that ticket was his savior. That ticket was his deliverer because he knew that that ticket was the one. He was going to win, and it was going to change his life forever. And so every payday, old Spencer would get excited. Man. He'd get giddy. He could not wait to get out and go buy some lottery tickets. Well, I had Shane come up here earlier, and Shane scratched this off and was explaining to me how to play. He was professional. <laughs> he even brought a penny. And um, I told him, I said, Shane, you're going to get to keep this. And it's scratching off, scratching off, scratching off. The problem was what was once my perception extremely valuable, I spent $10 but it promised up to a million dollars. All of a sudden, this is now just a piece of paper. It doesn't have any value anymore. Are you with me? And Jesus understands this principle. Look at it, Matthew 6. Jesus understands this, and he says this, stockpile treasure in heaven where it is, say the word safe, ready? Safe. Say it one more time where it is. Some of you have a safe at your house to keep important things safe. And he says, stockpile treasure in heaven where it is safe from moth and rust and burglars. Vanessa, you ready to win? I really hope you win. Come on up here. Come. Say what? You don't have a penny. I bet someone has a penny. And I bet for a small amount if you win, they'd be willing to give you a penny. All right, so come on up here. Vanessa went up to a million dollars, and I'm telling you, whatever you win, that's y'all's, okay? Just don't forget to tithe. All right, here we go. Yeah, the red part first. Y'all start praying, okay? Raise on staff. <laughs> that's your, well, here we go. I, I pray this morning. I say, God, I will not keep a penny. 
I will not keep a penny. Whatever they win, I'm gonna let them keep it. So. Yep, you no, know, just scratch them all off. I know, I was asking the same questions. Kind of awkward in front of everyone. Here we go. That's all right. You don't feel awkward, do you? I don't believe in it either. Awkward's awkward. All right, let's see. Yep, keep going. You're doing good. Okay, yep, keep scratching. Okay. Well, we're looking for more. Yep, there you go. Yeah, you got a row up there. A couple rows. Yeah, I just scratched the whole thing. That's right. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. Is there some? Oh, another row. Here we go. A million dollars is on there. All right. Now what we got to do is we got to look and see if these numbers match. Okay. So I'm sure you're going to look better than I'm going to look. 12, 27, 23, 26, 18, and 7. Do you see any of those numbers down here? No. Not one of them. No. But that says a million dollars right there. <laughs> the problem is a million dollars wasn't a winning number. Yeah, and it says 9 and 4 and 2 and 11, 13 and 1, 15, 6, 24. Can not you, even $10. Not, not even. Wow, I'm so sorry, Vanessa. I really wanted you to win. There's one she didn't scratch. I'm going to take it home and scratch it off. No. Hmm. So the deal is 20 bucks of my money today. It's extremely valuable. But now all of a sudden, it's just a piece of paper not really worth anything and and then how much time do I have how am I doing then I got one more illustration for you you see that's how that's what happens to us what happens to us many times is we live for things that we can never take with us we don't realize that life is short it's only a vapor and we live for this or we live for that like my friend said it this way he said tim i read a book that changed my life donald miller was the author and it talked about someone who was living his whole entire life for a certain car and went to work for years because he didn't have the money to buy it but it was his dream car he wanted it and and he said tim i read that book and i thought how awful to waste your life, like years of your life, for something like a car. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a bad car. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. Nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with having a lot of money. This is not that. But what this is, is when we hoard here and forget that really it's about there. We went on the missions trip and one of the people on the missions trip with us, God touched their heart. And I told you, um, we went to Ecuador, and there were these little, small um, tiases, they called them, little, small, um, petite women. And, and, and we were at a home, two different homes, where these kids had special needs. One girl, I think, was 21 or 22. They'd had her her whole life there, pretty much. And she couldn't do anything for herself. She could kind of smile and slobber, and that was all she could do. They had to totally take care of her every moment of the day. That's these people's life. You know what? That will live for forever. Because Jesus told us that whenever you love one of these, the least of these, you've done it unto me. Those are the words of Jesus. And someone on that mission trip came back and was so, even there at the trip, walking around praying God spoke to that person, and, and, and these kids, they had, they had had an elevator installed, but the problem was they would have to rewire the whole house 
um, electrically to be able for this elevator to work. And, and, and so these little, little small petite women would carry all these kids up and down stairs, concrete stairs, to take them outside, to, to push them around the building because that's the highlight of their day, or to take them to the doctor and they carry them up. And it was hard work. As men, it was hard work. And, and someone on our trip, God impressed on their heart so much, and they turned around and wrote a check for the entire thing to get fixed, to take what was wrong and make it right. Are you with me? Now watch this real fast, almost through. Jesus prayed a prayer one time. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And he said, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your kingdom come, right? Your will be on as it is in when we focus about the things that will never fade instead of hoarding the things that will we answer Jesus prayer because he prayed may what happens up there come down here but there's a reality, and if you're human, and you are, there's a reality that we all struggle with. Thank you, Brian. And the reality is this. The reality is, it's my watermelon. It's not your watermelon. I mean, how many of y'all love watermelon? Do you love watermelon? I mean, how many? There's, maybe it's July 4th. I don't know. Maybe it's some event, some special holiday that you have. But if you don't have watermelon, if someone doesn't bring the watermelon, someone's in trouble. You know what I'm talking about? You, any, any watermelon lovers like that? I mean, like we, every July 4th, we have watermelon. It's got to be cold. It's got to be good. I mean, the watermelon, watermelon. Well, here's what I know. This watermelon, don't, don't want to drop this. This watermelon is my watermelon. And I can hoard it. And I can hoard it and say, this is my only watermelon. I want this. This is my watermelon. We think that's funny with little children. Yet we kind of just... Sometimes do it, right? It's my watermelon. And we can kind of hoard it, or we can realize that the secret of the watermelon is on the inside. So what we do is we're willing to share because we care. And so what we do is we take this watermelon, and we're going to cut it open. Woo, juicy. We're going to cut this thing all the way open. Man, doesn't that look beautiful? Daddy taught me how to thump it. Make check it. Uh-huh. Right there. It looks beautiful. And you know, now here's the thing. This watermelon, if I hoard it to myself, I don't get to see the smile on your face when you eat it and go, oh, that's good. It's cold, too. We've had this one in the fridge. We don't get to do that. And then the other thing about the watermelon is there are seeds on the inside. And if I hoard this watermelon and I hang on to my watermelon, it's my watermelon. It's my watermelon. You ain't getting my watermelon. It's my watermelon. What happens is I can hoard it and I can hold it so long that it begins to rot. No one wants a rotten watermelon. Or I can realize, you know what? When I'm willing to share, when I'm willing to do that, the seeds are in the inside. When I move from hoarding to sharing, when I move from me to yes, Lord, here it is. What happens is other people get to taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and, and then, then I get to see that the seeds that are on the inside would give way more watermelons than if I just hoard this thing 
and it rots. And, and then there's one more lesson of the watermelon. The best part of the watermelon is the centerpiece. What do we call that? We call it the heart. You know what I'm talking about? You let, how many, man, when you open it, you're like right there. You just get the middle out right there. It's so good, isn't it? Jesus. Matthew, if I can find it. Matthew 6. I better. This is a New Testament. That would be bad. Matthew 6. Listen to this. Jesus says, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. In other words, some translations say, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So my question is, are you living, putting a bunch of hope in things that you think are valuable, but at the end of the day, two of them. I mean, that's $20. I I don't like throwing away money, that's for sure, but I gave $20 today, got two of these, didn't get a penny back. You see, heaven has a different perception because heaven knows the true reality. What Jesus is saying is live for up there. Send your treasures up because that's the only place they're safe. So we're launching another campus. We're going to Navarre. Why are we doing that? Why are we another campus? We're two years old. Why would we do this? It takes a lot of money to do that. Why would we do that? Why, why wouldn't we just sit here and be comfortable? We're growing. I pulled in the parking lot today, and I was like, oh, my goodness. It looked like no one was here. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And I forgot that we told our volunteers and the band and our staff to park in the elementary because last week, this gathering, there were only two parking spaces available. Only two. whole thing was full. We want to make room for more. Right? We're not trying to arrive and then be like, oh, we're here. You know, how many of you, how many of you, like maybe you came back to God, you've been out of church, you came back to God, maybe you've never been to church, maybe you came here, you gave your life to Jesus, but you came here and this was a different kind of church and you came in thinking this and you left thinking that. How many of this church has made the difference in your life? This isn't to glory to God. Glory to God. This isn't glory to us. We're not lifting up momentum. But I want you to stand. Would you stand up? Just a little reality here real quick. All right, now let's try that one more time. Let's try it like we're really excited. Ready? Here we go. Let's try that one more time. Yeah! Woo! Thank you. You can be seated. Here's what I know. In Navarre are people in Navarre who they still think God is angry at them. And they never read the verse that says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because he's for us. He's not wanting to make their life hell. He's wanting to save them from it. And we just believe that Navarre needs a church in Navarre, not a, another church, because God knows there's a lot of churches in Navarre. 
But they need a different kind of church in Navarre that is created specifically for people who God and church is not even on their radar. They're like, why would I go to church? I have a boat. (laughs) That's our crowd. For people that think God's angry at me. Uh, Just last week had someone tell me, she said, I haven't been to church in 20 years. Someone invited me. She said, I'm so glad I came. That was last Sunday. After all, like, really? It's, and what if we, what if you won a million dollars? Man, I've met families that, that um, because of greed, not saying money's bad, don't get me wrong, but because of greed, it took, took it down. Jesus says there's a better way. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. We thank God. We, um, we've laid out this campus. We know what the expenses are. We thank God for those of you who gave last week. And we're not here. We're not trying to manipulate and twist arms. We don't believe that, man. Our God owns it all. <laughs> no worries. Our God owns it all. And he loves us. And what he orders, he always pays for. And he never skips out on the tip. That's our God. That's my daddy. We just believe we're fully funded to do everything God has called us to do. And so we walk in audacious faith, believing that he is who he said he is, and he will do what he says he will do, because faithful is he who called you, who also will do it right there. That's our God. And and God doesn't need my money, and God doesn't need your money. He just wants our heart. Where you put your treasure, your heart will be right there, and trust me. heart's the best part. It's the best part. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? How many, you know, some of you, you live in this, and I just want to say I'm proud of you. Some of you get it. You're like my buddy in Atlanta. He could, he could drive a really, 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 really expensive car. Instead, he'd choose to give way over and beyond the tithe. Because he really believes that at the end of the day, life change is the only thing that matters. And he believes that Jesus, that that hope has a name and and that the name is Jesus. And so he is actually living for eternity. Some of you sitting there today, you're just like that. The truth is this church wouldn't have existed without you. And I want to say thank God for you. Thank God for you giving heart. Thank God for your generosity. We, We believe here that generosity generates goodness. Thank you. Because there will be children that will give their life to Christ today. There will be adults and teenagers that give their life to Christ today. And it's a game changer for eternity. In other words, what happens here will echo for eternity. Thank you for getting it. And then there's some people here today, you never understood it. But you know what? Maybe today's that aha moment. I want to give you just a moment right where you are at. Just to talk to God. Right where you're at. And just to say, God, I get it. I get it. Help me. Help me not to hoard treasure down here. Help me to stockpile treasure up there. Or like when I was a kid, this thing hung on the wall, and it said, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ. It will last. Man, I want to challenge you to live for something bigger than yourself something that will last a lot longer than your life. 